Welcome to The Q, Conversations in Digital Media. This podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media, digital campaign execution and optimization since 2004. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Q. Hopefully, all of you people out there are staying healthy amidst the uh, coronavirus outbreak, which everybody's freaking out about. But you know what? Forget all that stuff. We've got a huge, huge guest that joined the podcast today. Sam Decker is an entrepreneur. He's been doing in the business for um, over 25, 30 years almost, and uh, came from Silicon Valley, has been a huge player within the Austin market uh, for about 20 years now, um, helped, co- helped start Bizarre Voice, which is one of the bigger companies here in Austin, Texas. Uh, but what he's getting into now is augmented reality, virtual reality with his two companies, Fair Worlds and Interplay Learning. And it was just a fascinating conversation about where we're going with augmented reality, the virtual reality space. Um, you know, who's the winners in the market right now? Who's kind of taking charge and how to be successful within the space? It's a little Black Mirror uh, stuff heavy, and there's some freaky moments there, but I think what he said. Uh, really does resonate with the way the market's playing and, and where society is going with augmented reality. So I hope you guys enjoy it. This is Sam Decker. He's in the queue. Thanks, Sam, for joining us here in the queue. Really appreciate you coming in. I know uh, with uh, different viruses going around, people are not wanting to do face-to-face conversations. <laughs> Everything's going yeah. virtual. Uh, have you have you been experiencing any weird differences in the in the way business has done these past few weeks? Well, absolutely, uh, because <laughs> no one's going to any events, and they're cutting back on travel, and United, 20% cut in their flights, so there's lots of considerations going on. Yeah. Um, did, did, what events were you going to, or uh, have you, had you had any that had well, been affected? We're, we're paying close attention to South By. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I have a lot going on in South By, my partner does, but, um, but also we're planning travel... Uh, we have an office in Seattle, and so we're debating that. I think, I think, you know, we're not holding back on that necessarily, but I, we're just paying close attention to it. So it's so it's certainly a distraction. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's 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 something that it's come up a few meetings, but it's something we we kind of need to deal with. We know we're going to have to deal with, but you know, why you know be f- afraid and and li- live your life in fear? I guess. Yeah, I think it's interesting because uh, fear is a very powerful motivator in all things, even marketing related, mm-hmm. and uh, and we're also in the political season where fear is rampant. So we're in this really strange spot right now of fear to your left and to your right. Yeah. Uh, and and so I don't know anything about epidemics, and I don't know anything. <laughs> about what could come because the flu is obviously more impactful than the coronavirus, but yet we don't, I don't, then why is everyone paying attention to this? And so there's, there's, is a herd mentality, but you know, uh, CDC cares about it. So that's something to, to point to. So I'm, we're cautious, Yeah. but uh, yeah, I hear you don't live in fear. Yeah. Well, when you're running business, you have to be, you know, careful with the message you're putting across to your employees and all that. Well, what's interesting is that all of these companies that are canceling on events in South by, uh, there is incredible downside if they go and something happens. Yeah. Even if it's not as dangerous as a bunch of people catching the regular flu. And so what's driving a, a lot of this, I think, is the fact that it is heightened and they have to make a choice. 
That's interesting. I mean, it's it's a big event. I'm I'm partaking. I know a lot of people are, and and we keep seeing cancellations, which isn't a good thing. How much money this city of Austin gets from that yeah. huge event and over four hundred thousand people that come. Yeah, it's a. I mean, if we didn't have this right. in this town, that would that yeah. would be a big hit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a rock and a hard place. Yeah. and there's talk about you know can South by. Like, what's the financial situation for South by itself? Yeah. You know, what are their commitments? And uh, mm-hmm. they have enough money in the bank to fulfill on those. So it, it's it's a strange time. Well, we're talking, we're saying South by, because if you're an Austinite, you say yeah. South by, not South by Southwest. Yes. <laughs> but right. what, okay. so how long, so how long have you been in Austin? You've been in Austin 99. for? 99. 99. Yeah, okay. from the Bay Area. Okay. And are you from the Bay Area? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Born and raised. Yeah. Oh, God. Have, yeah, have yeah. you seen Berkeley, that place change? Walnut, yeah. Yeah, it, it, uh, the area I grew up in, I mean, it had orchards and trees. And, and when I went back, I uh, went back, like I went to college in Southern California and then um, was in Santa Cruz and then moved back to the East Bay. And it felt like Orange County, you know, it felt like very developed, no orchards left. It was uh, getting on BART. Uh, which was the the, the <laughs> yep. subway system to San Francisco was packed and the parking lot was packed and so then here we are fast forward and here we're in Austin where 37 skyscrapers are going up in downtown Austin I, know, I saw that headline yeah. the other day <laughs> so, it, it it's I think it's okay it's okay but they are taking away a lot of the what made the city the city yeah. in certain blocks I mean you look at Rainy Street which is a, he, a great yeah. bar district area that is now just going to be nothing but condos which yeah. is just insane but yeah it's changed a lot well I mean what was it like uh in the mid 90s in Silicon Valley that's kind of where you got your start yeah um, yeah what's interesting is I was um working South Market in in sort of the boom days Mm-hmm. Um, dot com boom and turn left and right and there's a startup everywhere you look and there what was, were some of the big ones back then that were well excite mm-hmm. you remember that yeah <laughs> I actually do yeah yeah <laughs> uh, that was one big one uh, trying to remember I mean uh, at the time Netscape was booming you know, uh, God, Netscape. That's yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got started in the internet using mosaic because uh, I came out of college, uh, coming into Apple and I worked in a division of Apple that did word of mouth marketing through user groups and user groups are the geeks of the world. Like there's 2000 compute Mac user groups and they were the first to get on, uh, and use mosaic and the web as it was known back in the early nineties. So I got involved probably 94. Wow. And, uh, so you sort of, so you sort of follow that and progress, and that got me into sort of that dot com world, um, where net gain, you know, the book net gain was the Bible, community content mm-hmm. commerce, you know, we're trying to do that playbook. What happened? I was one of the startups I was with uh, was called thirdage.com. and it was a website for baby boomers, you know, wow. like a community for baby boomers. Here I was, what was I like twenty seven or something creating the community for baby boomers. Like, I was half the age of the target market. Um, was there an audience for it at that time? Well, it was a, it was a growing audience. Uh, so we say someone was turning 50 every seven seconds and also getting online. And so there, there was. But the but problem was, here's a lesson learned in business, is it, most of the businesses I was a part of um, in, in those early days were 10 years too early. Mm. And there's a lot of startups that have the right idea. It's just the timing is too early. And what happened with, like, for example, thirdage.com is it was an advertising uh, sort of content model. And we could not produce enough page views to pay for all the editorial costs. So it really was a magazine online mostly. 
I built the community tools and started getting user-generated content back then, and that was huge. But still, I, th- I remember this town hall about a year in. I, I raised my hand and asked the president. I said, "Look, we're we're spending five hundred thousand a month, and uh, we're making two fifty a month, and we're selling out of our inventory. How are we going to make the other two fifty? And 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 I'm spending. I was doing marketing too. I was spending about thirty thousand dollars a month on marketing. What um, was it mostly in? Uh, good question. I'll get back yeah. to that. But, <clears throat> but um, <clears throat> he said. I said, how are we going to close that gap? And he said, oh, we're going to leverage our brand. And I was just thinking to myself, I was like looking up in the air thinking, (laughs) what does leverage your brand mean in terms of making $250,000 a month? If if our business model is selling out of inventory, where else can we quote unquote leverage our brand to make money? Uh, It just didn't make sense to me. That was the beginning of my end there. Um, (laughs) Because we couldn't, you know... Where could you spend money? That, uh, you could do ads. I mean, there was a beginning of in 97 kind of doing online ads. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no Google. There was no SEM. There was very limited targeting. There wasn't... Uh, uh, I remember my boss once said, uh, when I started, he said, go find 5,000 email addresses of baby boomers to email. Okay, this is before spam was a word. Yeah. And, and I said, okay. And I went back. You know, here I am, young. And I where am I going to get email addresses? Like, so I come back to him and I said, look, you must have had something in mind when you told me to go do that. Can you give me some hints or tell me where you're thinking to go? And, and this is a lesson in dealing with ambiguity. He looked me in the eyes and, uh, and said, you know, if I had to answer that for you, why do I need you? And I was like, oh, oh. shit. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, I'll go figure it out. And I figured it out. I somehow scraped together a bunch of email addresses off the web and and tried to email. Not that it was effective, but I did the task. Uh, but anyway, it's a lesson learned in business model and timing. Um, Should have started your own email data mining company well, at that, that point. Would, <laughs> that would have been maybe five years too early, but yeah. that would have been a gold mine. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I know this. It, a lot has changed since then, but I guess in the marketing world, when you had to find you know, things like that, was there a typical route you would go or say, you know, I guess if you had $30,000 to spend, was there, okay, you got to do this at that point? Yeah, back then, um, I mean, (laughs) people were doing direct mail to get people online. It was still Mm -hmm. uh, sort of focused there. Uh, And so online ads were banner ads. And um, while click-throughs were higher, it's hard to target an audience, Mm -hmm. you know? So uh, Yahoo was out, Excite was out. It was the beginnings of it. It was the beginning of uh, being able to target like you can on Google. Um, and then Google AdWords AdSense came out and changed everything. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it did. Yeah. <laughs> it's still changing everything, yeah. too. They still change their algorithms all the time. That's right. <laughs> we still have to keep up with it. Uh, so then you moved to Austin um, yes. in, what, the late 90s? Uh, 99. Yeah. So after three startups and, and, and didn't have much to show for that other than failures and experience, <laughs> um, which is invaluable, by the way. Yeah, um, right. Dell called, and and we had been uh, looking at Austin, and uh, and they, it, it was like, you're going to run Dell e-commerce. I'm like, that sounds great. And so they uh, recruited me. I, I put my resume out on monster.com. Great. And that's how they found me. That was a huge advertiser <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. A er, huge company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was another big one. Um, uh-huh. And so they uh, they called me and moved me here and took care of everything. I had an offer at Garden.com a year earlier, so we were looking at Austin. It's just mm-hmm. it was like here's five thousand dollars to move here. I'm like that'll 
cover airfare. I don't know. <laughs> so it was like not enough to get me over the hump. But Dell like took care of everything. I said, let's get some experience at a large company because these startups you will never have heard of. I have nothing on my resume to like point to. I wrote a couple books by that time. But other than that, I was like, no one's ever going to hear of thirdage.com or user group connection mm -hmm. or telepost. What uh, books were you, were you writing back then? Uh, I wrote, uh, the first book was related to user group marketing. So okay. part of, <clears throat> I didn't finish the story. I was at Apple. Months into it, we spun out into a startup. That's the division of Apple. And I, at the age of 23, became a vice president of a startup. Changed my trajectory. I mean, just changed my whole mindset about myself. Right. Um, in doing so, we were, we were uh, a consulting arm for large software companies on how to do word-of-mouth marketing through these user groups. And so I started writing a weekly newsletter, much like you're doing these podcasts, creating content, creating content. And at the end of the year... It's like, there's a lot here, and no one's an expert on user group, user group marketing, so I created How to Market with Computer User Groups as a, mm -hmm. as a book. Um, is it more of a trade book? It's for marketers. It got into Barnes & Noble, I was proud to say. It got wow. on ISBN you know, yeah. at the age of uh, uh, maybe 27. Um, I had that still book. on Amazon or uh, still? no, 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 oh. it's, it's, it's a, you probably find a used copy somewhere, but you don't need to, <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of moot at this point. User groups are basically the internet now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and then the second one, uh, I was always into guerrilla marketing. So I started writing a bunch of guerrilla marketing tips and I sent it to Inc magazine and they, and they said, we love it. Would you do it in our format? Because they had a series of 301 do-it-yourself management ideas, whatever. So I did uh, 301 do-it-yourself marketing ideas. Wow. Um, and published by Inc. Magazine. That's great. Yeah. So So um, what was your number one tip? <laughs> okay, I've got a great story <laughs> that, that I always remember. Well, part of it was going finding stories to map back to principles. Mm -hmm. So I had some ideas and principles, but then I also had to go hunt stories and find new ones. And I interviewed this um, this furniture store. And usually furniture stores are in a, like a furniture row. Like there's a bunch yeah. of furniture stores. Yeah, we still have one here. Yeah. Like right down the road. Anderson. Yeah. And so you go uh, shopping for furniture and you go from one to another, right? So one furniture store, what they did is as people were leaving his store, gave them a half gallon of ice cream. Okay. Why? Yeah. Why do you think? In the he heat? What, I don't. They, they had to stop shopping. Oh, okay. Well, they had to go home, take the yeah. ice cream home. They're not going to go to the competitors Good next door. Point. Yeah. So I thought that melt. was pretty clever. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm sure if they still pull that off, I don't know if they can. <laughs> well, Amazon, I don't know if they can pull that off either. Yeah. Either keep people on online all the time. Uh, so yeah, then I, what, what interested you in the business space in the first place? I mean, what, what got you into it? Well, I had always been... Um, like doing little entrepreneurial things growing up. I used to charge people to type papers. I was a fast typist because I got involved uh, with computers at 10. And so I, I charged people to type papers in high school and I typed up notes for tests. And, <laughs> and I had people start to copy my notes that I sold them. So I put then printed on red paper so I could oh copy it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I had a little scheme. Uh, and then college, I was, uh, I was running, my dad and I invested in a triplex and I flipped cars and I had a carpet cleaning business. I had a desktop publishing business. I had a typing business, had a treasure map business, which was basically we, we'd go sell ads and print them on 11 by 17 and then give away those 11 by 17s to uh, uh, college restaurants for placemats. Mm -hmm. So I had all these, um, and then started a sign business, a big banner sign business, all this while in, in college. So college was kind of like, as long as I can get a B, that's all that mattered. But then I was more <laughs> interested in these kind of things. Yeah. So I guess I was always 
wired. My mm-hmm. dad was an entrepreneur. I don't know. Yeah, and, did your dad kind of push push you and push help me. help you into that? I guess. Um, I, I definitely helped me. Yeah. The, the, you know, seeing him, watching him. He ha- he was a film producer and director. Um, and I can definitely see that in myself, sort of that gene. If I wasn't an entrepreneur, I'd probably be want to be a film producer. It, mm-hmm. it just fits kind of left, right brain, kind of the way you think. But um, but then I saw him in 79 start a company. Um, and his story is he was pitching a documentary. The, the team that was going to invest in him rejected him because the way he presented was he was nervous. He had just done a documentary on public speaking, and so he said, I'm going to figure this out. Using his experience with video cameras, he was one of the first to use video camera feedback to teach you how to do public speaking better. Wow. So Decker And that's like a definite, like everybody does that now. Yeah. Yeah. So 1979 iPhone. launched using Betamax or VHS or whatever and, and, and bring people in two-day seminar to give a bunch of videotape feedback. Wow. Uh, so yeah, he cracked it, became a nationally known speaker, et cetera, et cetera. So I watched that, um, and I helped using my computer skills. I was into computers and things. I worked for him and in his company doing computer graphics even back then on an Atari 800. I mean, I was you know. Yeah. So so maybe that was a big part of it, but I think sometimes you're just wired for it. I yeah. think I think um, some people have gone through jobs and realized that the jobs that they've gone through, they've initiated things and they've been change leaders and they've come up with ideas. And they realize that, well, all along they were an entrepreneur, but inside a company, mm-hmm. you know, and others are just good at like tweaking and optimizing and, and, and are not destined, are not fi- fixated that way. Yeah. You have to have a certain mind for it. Yeah. And I think you're right. Some people don't ever get out of the, the yeah. big corporation. They s- stay in there, but there's something missing. There's a piece yeah. that they, tend to, to have a, a maybe a better goal outlook on a company as it's a whole just, start. It's a niche that is not scratched. And mm-hmm. I was at Dell for seven years, and I almost quit seven times. Um, <laughs> uh, but I always had some something entrepreneurial. I mean, I was building Dell.com for four years of that, and there's so much change and so much learning and so, much, so many projects, three redesigns, just so much to do. And then I went on to, like, uh, uh, sort of, change roles inside a big company mm-hmm. and it was interesting and it learned as much as I learned in the failures in the startups and and it helped me so much on the on sort of my last third of my career which is um, startups in Austin yeah wow so yeah the, let's get into that because you've got a pretty pretty hefty resume I was looking through yesterday but yeah no I guess what was your first project out of out of the big corporation well, I, you know, my last job at Dell was a, it was a good one. I was running marketing for a billion and a half dollar division, which sounds big, but in Dell it's kind of small. So it's kind of, it allowed me some freedom. But I knew that was my last, uh, where else could I go mm-hmm. that, that would excite me? So during the last year and a half at Dell, I started taking coffees. When you're at Dell, you're like on another island. I mean, you really... My peers did not know that the rest of Austin existed. <laughs> and so um, I made it a point to have two to three coffees a week. Um, With well, who? Just, just I, I, you know, somehow make connections to people that were um, launching companies or in organizations or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't really remember how I, that's, I think that's how I met Keith yes. way back then. Um, you just kind of bounce from one person and then splinters off into three. And it's, it's like this exponentialist logarithm. Yeah. Path um, and eventually I became on the board of TechChange. I got to know Austin Ventures. They introduced mm-hmm. me to HomeAway. 
almost had, uh, this is when Brian was inventing the name Homeway. We sat for for, uh, for coffee. He's like, what do you think of the name Homeway? I'm like, sounds good. It wow. Sounds good. Yeah, so so almost worked for them and then uh, got introduced to Brett who was starting Bizarre Voice. And it was like word of mouth meets mm-hmm. e-commerce. Okay, that's exactly what I've been doing my whole life. Yep. Like digital. User-generated content. User-generated content. My wife works for there. For oh, Bizarre yeah. Voice. Yeah. No kidding. She's on the influencer brand that they're pushing. So wow. It's, yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was, and here's a great example of perfect timing and just execution. There's nothing all that special about the, the technology, right? It's an iframe, submit, moderate, push it, um, and have a really strong back end. If anything, it was the reliability to handle Walmart's reviews was part of the power. But mm-hmm. um, but the lesson learned there is Amazon's been doing it for 12 years. We as consumers know it impacts us. We can then prove that it drives conversion and drives a P&L impact. And there's this whole growth. Facebook came out in 2007, or Twitter came out in 2007, Facebook 2005. And so now we have this whole social topic. Yep. So, you know, we branded it social commerce and created this whole aura around it and became this movement. I ran product and marketing for it. We launched seven products uh, in the in the five years I was there, for, in the first four years. And then um, and it, it, ju- it made an impact and we expanded to verticals and regions and five years, 500 people, 50 million. It's easy because everything's five. We started in 2005. There's five of us, and we grew to 500 by the time I left. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's and then it went public, yeah. uh, which I know that yeah. you know, that was probably after your time, yeah. right? Yeah, and I know they've you know kind of admitted that they went back to private. They were like, we yeah. shouldn't have gone public ever, you know, because that was such a. Well, here here's the lesson learned there, and someone was on our board that was part of Google AdSense that mm-hmm. he said, um, you know, with Google, they can just make one tweak and and drastically change their earnings per share. And, and everything about business from, from Wall Street up or down, whatever you want, whichever way you want to go, is about predictability. Um, and when you go public, you have to have, you know, five levers uh, or, you know, arrows in your quiver to be able to affect predictability. Yeah. And, it's, and sometimes it's hard um, to know that you can tell the street what to expect and know with 110% confidence that you can hit it and feel really good about that. That's rare. Yeah. It's hard. And with user-generated content, <laughs> you have to rely on that so much. Yeah. But I guess what well, the space, that space changed drastically over the time that you were there. I, I knew yeah. Google, you were one of the Google's bigger partners at yeah. that time. They would pull in those reviews. Yep. Now there's what, hundred other companies that do similar things and I don't know I, I know yeah. the big ones I know power views came back power, out mm-hmm. Yonpo launched and I don't know all the other view trackers okay. and yeah I, I've been out mm-hmm. of it no I <laughs> know so I get it I get it yeah, so there's too much to keep up with but yeah. I mean it's weird that they pulled I mean and then I think there was um yeah there was a the what the DOJ came down on Bizarre yes, Force yeah I was out of that and totally hands-free <laughs> yeah so I was you are <laughs> You yeah, walked I, away. I, I was not. I was. Not, I had no <laughs> affidavit. I had no calls. Yeah. I was just like, and I was already out of the company. Yeah. yeah. Well, then you got it into the incubator space, and obviously, Capital Factory so, is. Yeah, I, I've co-founded Capital Factory. Mm-hmm. I think it's been eleven. It's been about eleven years, and so I was at Bizarre Voice when we started that. Oh. I wow. was getting that itch again, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 Josh and Brian. I think we met at a tech exchange, and we talked about the lack of consumer startups mm-hmm. in Austin. And like, how do you know? And we saw Y Combinator, and um, and so it's like, well, we should have that here and get things going. So really, it was a desire to sort of increase the consumer startup space. How do you consumer. do that? How do, well, how do you start? I mean, 
you just find, I mean, you obviously have some money to invest in companies, but yeah, you find 20 mentors willing mm -hmm. to put in 5k each and, and you distribute that between five startups and then you take applications and you choose five and then you take them through a summer meeting with them both weekly and ongoing to the point of a demo day in I think September, October so that they can go get more money. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that was the model back then. It's changed a lot. I, I, you know, I was heavily involved the first three years and then mass relevance starting that and getting busy in that I couldn't be a managing director anymore mm -hmm. um, so it was just a mentor and even that was limited because um, you know when you're running a company you're in a vortex you know you like that's your priority yeah you have hard. to be yeah yeah all the time yeah so uh, <laughs> so, so that became harder but uh, but you know and then and then capital factory to Josh's credit really expanded into workspace and events and a lot of things and and you know there's a lot of elements when you look at an ecosystem like Austin that make it vibrant you know, the, the, when I came to Austin 99, it was Dell and a very small number of startups. So it was hard to say if Dell doesn't work out, where do you go? Yeah. You know, so, th so there's a big risk. Here with 150 people coming to Austin every day, they can see I can go to a startup, but I can then go to Google, Facebook, Bizarre Voice or Dell or whatever. Yeah. Or they can start at a large company. So there's, there's directions to go because we ha now have the whole ecosystem. And Capital Factory, and a bunch of other things um, create that ecosystem that makes that viable, that brings mm -hmm. in talent, that allows you to scale, that brings in funding, that makes Austin a place that people from the outside want to fund. So it's it's been amazing watching it over the last 10 years, yeah. having seen compared to Silicon Valley, where mm -hmm. it, it, it had it for 20 years, you know, from the beginnings of HP. Yeah. I guess what if you had to give some piece of advice for that entrepreneur out there? I mean, you can move to Austin and, and like you said, go into an ecosystem and get your chops similar to the way you did. But yeah. what would you recommend to them if they're looking to start a, a business or a company? Well, I, I, I mean, there's so much yeah. I could say. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what advice would I get? Well, the good thing if if you're considering Austin, Austin is far more giving in terms of time from people. Okay. Than, than any other region I've seen. So a lot of help um, for, for good and bad. I mean, you can get... Uh, from the state or from, no, from, from you people. as a for people company? Yeah, okay. Yeah, from just people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the number of mentors when we started at 20 at Capital Factory, there's now, you know, yeah. hundreds and tech stars. And, you know, there's a bunch of incubators from, and, and workspaces now. There's something like 40 or 50 co-working spaces, and there was nothing right. 10 years ago. So... Um, so with that interaction and availability of people starting here, starting things here, there's a collaboration that can happen. Yeah. Um, so so that's, a, that's a good thing, um, but that does not create ex what I call exit velocity. Like going through Capital Factory, getting $100,000, winning a demo date has nothing to do with true scalable exit velocity for a company. Yeah. You know, because it's harder to get a Series A fund. It's harder... Mm -hmm. Uh, to get past that and grow, um, competition is more fierce. I mean, I was in marketing technology for a while, and 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 uh, competition is way more fierce now and way harder to get uh, attention of a VP of marketing than it was mm -hmm. when I was running marketing at Bizarre Voice in 2005 to, yeah. to 10. So, um, so you have to. What I'd say is you have to have a disproportionate advantage to win. Some knowledge, some distribution, some amazing product. Ideally, all three. Yeah, and an incredible team, and and experience matters. So if you don't have experience, 
co-found with someone that does. Yeah, you just listed off seven things that you kind of really do need in, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in order right. to succeed and be successful. Going. No, it's yeah. true. It's you can you can't you can't have one of the the five you know or yeah. main thing. You have to have all kind of a piece together. And, yeah. Um, well, that's good. So then you move kind of out of that space. You go to mouse relevant mouse relevance, but now you're working in uh, you know some very cool tech. Augmented reality, which is something I wanted to really dive into because okay. you've, you know, I, I want to know about more about the space. I yeah. mean, a lot of people are out there realizing that this is the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, you know, can, what pieces of, <laughs> of nuggets can you give the, the rest of the world about what, it, where the future is going? Well, here's the thing is that um, most of my career has been like looking at um, waves mm-hmm. and figuring out the right timing and the right product market fit within that wave. The good thing about wave, whether it's user-generated content or social curation, which I was doing at Mass Relevance, or um, uh, commu- online communities at Third Age, et cetera, is that people want to talk about them, and mm-hmm. it's a topic. And so you can lean into that, or what I say, put up the sail into that wind and sail it. Um, and then and then you have to find, within that conversation, the right place to start, the right sequencing um, and phasing of something to bring to market. When do you think uh, the augmented reality wave kind of started to, well, to kick up? Well, it, it, it picked up um, with Snapchat and ARKit, the ability to put it on the iPhone mm-hmm. and Snapchat making it making it clear what it's all about. Right. Know, those are two things that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things like Ikea, you know, setting the standard for all uh, furniture uh uh, companies to have to want to have augmented reality placement of furniture in this mm-hmm. in their house, and then now Amazon doing it, and then Google puts it on the web, and so I can put a tiger right in front of you right now on my iPhone. You know, mm-hmm. so um, all of these things start to come together, uh, technology, content, and so you see this wave happening, uh, and we're just talking about augmented reality, not to mention where where we've come from, 360 video to VR to augmented reality. So there's kind of this continuum. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the work, uh, uh, let's push away 360 video for a second, um, because it's not, people say it's virtual reality, it's not. But augmented and digital reality, the, the, the tools and assets uh, between them are shared. One right. is immersive and one is uh, sort of duality of, of real mm-hmm. and digital. Um, so, so all of that creation and technology and effort and, and people we hire for our firm have, do both. And that feeds... Uh, both things, and there's there's reasons to do augmented reality or virtual reality, mm-hmm. but where is it going? Um, you know, I started uh, an agency called Fairworlds uh, almost three years ago because we did. I didn't know. I knew it was going somewhere, and I knew Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, HTC, et cetera, et cetera, were all battling on hardware. Yeah, huge investments made, coming down in price. Who do you think's winning that battle right now? Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Oculus Go and Quest are winners. Yeah. Um, we'll see what comes out with Apple with the glasses they're coming out with. And we'll see. Wait, I don't know about that. What's, what's. Well, okay. So, to my point, if some things are 10 years too early, 10 years ago, Google Glass was launched. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, the, and, the, and people post things about it, and everyone's like, I'd never wear those. It's geeky or whatever. Okay. Now, fast forward 10 years later, there's 20 firms making the equivalent of a Google Glass. So, so there's going to be a wave of the glasses you're wearing right now yeah. to connect to your phone to display things through. And, and, and in fact, there's a viable contact lens for that. Will it be stylish? Because that Google Glass was kind of a absolutely. <laughs> I think they let lessons learned there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think the idea is make it stylish, make mm-hmm. it much more fast. You got 5G coming, mm-hmm. um, and and computing power in the cloud or on the glass or in the phone. So. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of things had to come together to make it awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has to be awesome to really cross over the early, the, the sort of um, early adopters phase. So, uh, so where is all that going? I mean, what's, what's interesting about augmented reality, when you have it in your glasses, uh, is that those glasses can recognize things around you and then do computing and then display something on top of it to yeah. give you information. So here, here's, my, here's my vision is that when you go into uh, a grocery store and you say you are on a keto diet, and that's programmed into your preferences, you're going to walk through and everything's going to light up that matches that desire. So you can discover new products and find things. It's black mirror stuff yeah, right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. For sure. No, so that's where it's all going, but it has to come down in price and accessibility and content and speed. Mm-hmm. But all that's coming. So you can see it coming. So it's like we, we every company has to go through evolution. If I learned one thing at Dell, it was it is hard to accept big change. It, it is hard to just go all the way to 10 and for a company to just invest in immersive reality. Right. There's a place to start. And I understand where to get started to make an impact with a company where the CFO even cares about it uh, to then invest more, to invest a little more, to invest a little more. So certain companies are making those investments, IKEA as an example, et cetera, and they continue down the path. They can't go backwards. So, so all of these early companies are making these investments going down an evolutionary path while all the other things in the industry are happening with hardware, with speed, with et cetera. So what's going to happen is those that are um, not early adopters, and they're going to see what the early adopters have done, and the industry's ready, and it's going to cost less for them to get in it, and it's already been proven, just like Amazon already proved Bizarre Voice, and then they'll invest. So there will be a wave. Uh, and we don't know how fast. And we you kind of want to be a part of the second wave. Is that what you're saying? No, or I, you would be a part I, of. The f- I want to. I want to yeah. minimally invest in the first and have staying power. Mm-hmm. When you look at stories like Pinterest, they were around for many years before they became big. So some some companies are two years too early, and they have staying power. And all of a sudden, they were they learned a lot. Interplay Learning. I'm on the board. They've been in business eight years, and just now they got quote unquote Series A, and are taking off. Uh, so, so because now 3D and simulation and VR and training and skilled labor force, it, all the, those elements are coming to play, and they happen to be at at the front seat when that happened. Yeah, yeah. and so I guess you, you know, there's the tech side, there's the hardware side. You're saying Apple's maybe going to change the game a little bit with their product that's coming out. I mean, what, do, do they know when know. that's coming out? Or? Uh, I, I actually don't. Uh, yeah. know the day is, it might be out there but yeah I'm going to put a note and I'm, everybody <laughs> will be in line for it yeah. I imagine so well what do you think that does uh, we're heading society wise I know you have to think business <laughs> side <laughs> is there the, I know every Black Mirror episode ends with you know this is you know not good in yeah. some ways there's always yeah. that pitfall Yeah. <laughs> but I guess you know like you said if we go into grocery stores we see this like are we is there research around like what that does to, the, to society or, or you know, no, anything, yeah. There's no re- there's research of what it does. It's starting to be research what it does to the brain and why it's effective and, mm-hmm. and, and all all of those things. But um, uh, because what really got me interested in the beginning was the fact that you remember more when you do VR than in real life. Like being immersed and having that experience is is more impactful to your to your neurons, your brain, the way than me sitting here right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because there's distractions that, you know, and, and when you're immersed, it's like, 
it, it, there's something that, that happens to the brain. That, uh, and that's not augmented reality. That's virtual reality. Um, well, that's similar to like if you're listening to a podcast and you have the new AirPods or something, you've yeah. got silence mode, you've, you're seriously yeah. noise canceling, you're just canceling everything out, you yeah. are attentive to that, even though you're doing other things. Yeah. I don't, I, so I, I'm not qualified to answer what it'll do for society. What, yeah. I, what we started the, the company name Fair Worlds was let's make this for good. Let's make it a better world. Um, there's, a, there's like a triple entendre on our name, but that's one of them is like we wanted one of our you know, ideal clients is environmental defense fund is so we created a, an immersive reality experience for senators and, and gas execs to go through to see how to stop methane leaks. Wow. Uh, and it showed them how much money they could save and how much it would save the environment. And they actually could go through and tighten things down and go across, a, use a flare camera emulated and, and figure out how to shut things down on an oil uh, field um, and see how easy it was. And so these are executives who get to experience this for three minutes at different shows around the world, and then carry, take that back to their company. Says, "Why aren't we doing this? Why are? Why do we have methane leaks? It's so easy to fix." Oh, that's great because we were able to. VR is called the empathy machine. We're able to get them to empathize and persuade them yeah. to take this action more than if I just sat down and talked to them about it. So, how would that process work? Do you have to have somebody on the ground who's obviously you know there? It's physical. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you put, you put on a headset. Yeah. But the thing you ask who's winning? Why Facebook is winning? The Go is two hundred bucks, and the and the Quest is four hundred bucks, um, and we can ship it anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and just put it on and, and play that experience. Wow. Yeah. That's that's. I mean, yeah, that can change any business. Yeah. Or or people eventually have them at their home and just load up that experience. Yeah. But yeah, they're sold out. Quest is sold out right now. So there's 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 definitely demand. It's not as widespread as like the Xbox or something like that. But um, you can see with more applications and more content, just like why did the Mac take off? Because mm-hmm. of the software, you know. Um, we started off with MacWrite and uh, some some it was a PageMaker, some desktop publishing. I mean. I had the Mac SE in 88, and it was like little things, and now look what we got. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone has a computer. Yeah, smartphone. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's uh, there's so many different ways you could do that mobily, yeah. you know, on the go. Yeah. And execs yeah. getting on a plane and watching what's happening in real time. Yeah, and so when you see that, when you see, that, okay, hardware platform, internet, but then all the things come together that make it truly useful and impactful, mm-hmm. you can see the wave coming. Yeah. And it's like, where do you want to be in it? So that's why. Where do you see y'all fitting in? Well, Inter- Interplay, ha- for example, Interplay has a, a great fit in a, the skilled labor uh, place where the average age is 58, and it's oh, going to okay. be a big turnover, and there's no shortage of need to fix, fix HVAC uh, electric plumbing. And so here's the new way, rather than going on site and doing sort of protege training, is people can, at their home, use their do 3D simulations on their uh, laptop, their iPad, or put it in VR. Um, so it'll be the new way of, of training physical process. Mm-hmm. Um, and this will be the platform to do it. So, uh, and then Fair Worlds is we're serving many different verticals, uh, mostly for things product marketing and sales related because it's an empathy machine, um, some training. Um, but, you know, when we get in with a client is, is, for example, one of our clients, Pool Corp, I was building our house. And we're doing a pool in the backyard. And, like, the builder gives me a, a small pool tile. And I say, how can I see what this looks like? I don't know what this is going to look like in the pool in the backyard. So I email the CMO of, of, um, of this large pool uh, tile company and say, you should have a 
augmented reality configurator of pools. So I can visualize this. She sent it to the team. They happen to have budget. Long story short, six months later, we've launched an augmented reality pool configurator. So you can place a pool in your backyard, choose tiles, see what it looks like, send it to your builder, send it to your spouse. You know, like, like streamline the process of what it would look like to have a pool in your backyard. And that's the beginning of their evolution. And, and they've announced it at a, you know, to the analysts and everyone's excited. And you know, so now we're you know, continuing the- How lucky was that company that they did your pool? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It was, kind of set them in the future right there. So yeah. they they hit a they hit a they hit a gold mine. <laughs> it's, it's it's one way to do business development. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Use the products. Hey, luck happens. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, sure. Well, yeah. Though that's that's an interesting way to think. Uh, well, to to apply all of what you're talking about, um, and I think the space is going to change. I think there's a lot of ways you can do business virtually now, yeah. uh, like you said, in augmented realities or virtual reality. Uh, in that case, um, do you see that? impacting uh the business side like just the way it's done i mean the way things are changing right now i know heck we already talked about it coronavirus is something that is causing people to go you know i don't want to travel or go on a plane for this meeting or my wife was in columbus yesterday they weren't accepting there was a business there that wasn't accepting anybody out of state to come into their building yeah which is okay well this is the shift. Maybe. Yeah, it's interesting because times like this, I, I see all growth, and you probably see this with, with traffic and, and I saw this with e-commerce, is, is you get peaks, like you get uh, sort of inflection points that create peaks. Like let's say you do a big campaign, you see a big jump, and then it normalizes, comes down a bit, and then another peak, and then another, so it's nothing linear. It's always, mm-hmm. and so here we're going through an inflection point where so many companies are, are figuring out how to do things remotely. Do you know the question is how will that change after the virus goes away? Right. Like, like it's got to change behavior in some way. And obviously, we got here where we're using Zoom and LifeSize and all these platforms already. So there have been inflection points that got us here, and now here's another one. So um, the need so, is higher right now. Yeah, the need is higher. Mm-hmm. So people get used to it and say, "Oh, this is not so bad." Or this, tech, you know, they'll try different technologies. They'll get training on how to do web presentations better, et cetera, et cetera. So that all that activity is going to lead to decisions coming up next. Those activities will lead to something next. And then when technology, when VR, putting on a headset and getting in a conference room like this, and I'm looking at, at, at either your fake avatars or your real personas, or you want to make yourself look better, you know, yeah. there's a lot of things there's you a can lot of do. That. Um, that will become more normalized. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the way I look at trends is like, um, is, is to think about how does it get to that path of normalized you know, and, and where are we now? And so it's pretty normal to do WebEx has been around a long time. Actually, one of the companies, uh, where we launched like three products and they were all 10 years too early. One of them was web meetings back in 1998. It was too early. It was 10 years too early. And then, and then 10 years later, you know, WebEx comes out and gets Mm -hmm. bought by Cisco. It's like, that was one of our products that could have been, that could have been us 10 years later. Um, and so WebEx and now zoom and now other, you know, so um, it's just exploded yeah. and now we're on the next inflection point. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess what, what is the next step for, for your companies? You know, what, uh, is it partnering with, you know, like the Facebooks of the world? I know you already use their product, yeah. but I mean, yeah. how, well, yeah, what's, how do you, how do you monetize t- so that you could be, I know that's the magic question, right? it's typically agency service. We build mm-hmm. experiences, custom content, and then we continue to build software and sure. continue on with the client in different directions that it can go. And so, 
part of what's next is just uh, working with, with more large brand like this to be their partner on this evolution. Mm-hmm. Along the way, we may find software, uh, you know, and part, part building experience is also building software that could be spun off. That was part of the uh, assumption. We don't know. But it, it's got to get to that point where, oh, here's something I think a lot of people will buy, that this timing of this software in immersive reality will sell. Um, and, and, and so then we'll decide on that. Yeah. Interplay is at that spot. Interplay, after eight years of doing it, and they went through several things, and then they got a CTO that came from Pixar, and they built a back end to create training in a faster way on top of Unity. Mm-hmm. And the skilled labor market's going through this major trend. Like, all of that came together to this moment where they now can get Series A and, and five VCs behind them and, and off to the races. Yeah. So, you know, um, so, and at that point, it's just execution. Mm-hmm. Sell, market, you've got a product, just keep growing it and then expand from there and go into other regions and other verticals. It's much like we did at Bizarre Voice. Yeah. yeah. Well, you never sleep, right? I mean, <laughs> you have so many things going on right now. There's probably well, not a time I, to, uh, to take a, take a, take a break. Uh, I definitely try to sleep. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes. You need to remain, keep, keep your health. Uh, so yeah, I guess, do y'all have any events coming? Are y'all, y'all partaking in South by Southwest or are y'all doing any of the, Oh, if it happens, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. There, there's a, there's an immersive reality event that Josh Rubin's putting on for media ATX. And so I think we might show off some of our stuff there. Good. But nothing too Good. Uh, well, if, yeah, I'll definitely find, is there any, uh, I guess place that people could find what, you know, more information about uh, y'all and look up Google media ATX and there'll probably be something about their South by event. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I hope to see you there. I'm, I'm, yeah. I've, I'm hoping to go. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a mass pur- purchased right now. Okay. Um, okay. I don't think that's a need, but there's apparently they're sold out on Amazon anyway, so sure. I can't get one. No, you don't need that. You just need to wash <laughs> your hands every, <laughs> every time you can. 20 seconds yes. is what I've been told. Yeah. So, uh, if there's long lines in the restroom, you know, it's because people fine. are, you know, washing their hands. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, Sam, this has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on the queue, um, and, and really informing us and somewhat creeping us out, but yep. this yep. is exciting stuff about the future. And I, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy listening to it. Good. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Q1 Media partners with agencies and brands all across the nation for all their digital marketing needs, whether it's CTV, OTT, location-based mobile device ID targeting, search engine marketing, targeted display, any research and data that you need, whatever it is, Q1 Media can help with your marketing efforts. Please check out Q1 Media's website at q1media.com. That's Q, the number one, media.com. You can view case studies, examples of our work, uh, or just check out more episodes of the podcast, The Q, Conversations in Digital Media.